The world of work is rapidly changing, and the current pandemic has accelerated and accentuated the need for many of us to enhance our skills to thrive in this new world. The DSM Employment Ready podcast series is for the Greater Des Moines workforce to learn tools, tips, and techniques to increase employability value and to become the employee you want to be. You can find resources to improve your talent skill set and competencies with the Workforce podcast series. So welcome to this DSM Employment Ready session. Today, we're going to talk about another core competency that talent will need in the future world of work, creativity and innovation. The future workplace is going to demand new ways of thinking and human creativity and innovation will be critical to individual and company success. Joining us today is Brian Hemaseth. And I'm going to say it, Brian, and, and I know you don't like the term, but you are a serial entrepreneur and one that we value greatly in our community. Uh, Brian is also founder of Volunteer Local and former managing director and entrepreneur in residence for the Global Insurance Accelerator. So welcome, Brian. Um, so, Brian, when we talk about all the changes that are occurring and more coming at us in this rapid fire uh, new world of work, it's really not an organization that changes, but it's individuals that really cause change in an organization. Um, companies are investing in product development and the development of service innovations. How should they be investing in a creative, innovative culture? So, uh, and by the way, thank, thank you for having me. Um, I don't mind the, the serial entrepreneurial title. I've certainly uh, probably earned it at some point. I joke with Mary that it's not a title that I, I hold very highly because a serial entrepreneur often means you're not focused on any one thing. So I try to learn from my own failures in that respect, but uh, I, I do appreciate the introduction. I think it was, was, was appropriate. So I'm a, I'm a big believer that the, the culture uh, of, of any organization, a nonprofit, a small company, a big company, it's the people. I don't, I don't think that's anything groundbreaking for anybody, but the, the people are going to define your culture. It's up to the leadership of a, of a company to, to set the course and set the pace of where they want to be, but you cannot tell people what to be interested in. And so in, in the small company experiences that I have had, uh, it became very apparent when we were you know, a founding team of two, or maybe we grew up to five, seven, less than 10 employees, when it's that team is super small. Um, it's especially critical to understand who the people are that you brought into the fold, because uh, when you're five people, one person is 20% of that culture. When you're 10 people, one person is 10% of that culture. And so if they're not happy with, with the, the things that are happening within the company and the culture and the way it's going, that's a, that's a huge hit to the organization. So it, it has to start with the people and it has to start with building the right team around uh, that culture you want to, to build and have. Not every company gets that luxury. So I, I think a big thing that, that, companies big or small need to be doing is giving their people space and time to express the type of cultural climate and cultural environment they want to work in. And it becomes really obvious when you put people together, whether it's a happy hour, it's a breakfast, uh, it's a casual situation that is somewhat removed from work, sit back and see what they talk about. What do they care about? Do they care about sports? Do they care about pets? Do they care about children? Do they care about their product and their customers? Um, you know, building a culture that is really, really engaged with the customer and the product, that's powerful because people are, their culture is suddenly work and I got to find a balance. But if you find out that you've got uh, a culture that is very civically engaged, um, my own company, Volunteer Local, we, during this pandemic, uh, there's seven of us on the team right now. We meet twice a week uh, virtually 
and we've dedicated the Monday meetings to just talking. We, we, we might leave in a little business or work if there's something pressing, but we save that for the Wednesdays. But Monday, we just talk, and the world's on fire, right? And you can imagine this group is absolutely engaged with everything going on in the world. Uh, in particular, I'll just say Black Lives Matter has dominated the conversation. And what we're doing as an organization to, to be part of it, to support it, and that's a, that's a really part, part of our culture. And it's partly because of the, our company, what we do, who we serve. Um, it's the type of employees that have been attracted to our company um, because of the nature of what we do. So it, you could almost argue uh, our product and our customer base is influencing our culture, but don't fool yourself. It's the people that have come to work with us that absolutely drive the culture. So it's a long winding answer, but uh, hopefully there's something relative to the question in there. That's a really great point about the people. And um, so when I think about, you know, teams that you've built and, you know, the organizations that you've worked with, um, what traits do you look for that demonstrates that someone has that capacity to be innovative and creative? Yeah. So the first thing, you've got to be a self-starter. Um, if, if you're not motivated to get up in the morning and just get it done yourself uh, on your own, um, I have a hard time thinking that you're going to be innovative on your own. So, and that, that applies to anything that's, whether it's innovative or just getting your stuff done, right? Are you, are you brushing your teeth in the morning, right? That's a, that's a, that's a sign of self-starter. Uh, did you make your bed? You know, those are little steps. But if you, if you move beyond that, um, you've got to show initiative to, to want to do something. And as we talked about in the earlier answer, that culture, that passion, what do you care about? That absolutely applies to some of those, those things. Um, the next piece of this is the autonomous side of it. The, the ability to act and work on your own without a lot of handholding and direction um, is really, really key. If, if I have to tell someone, hey, I'm trying to get to point B, here's the path to get there. And I've just now limited their, their direction and how they're going to work. Um, you know, I, it's the, the triangle of truth, right? I, I need this done. I need, here's how it's done. And, and uh, here's what it is. If I dictate all three of those things, there's no flexibility for you to, to get creative and be innovative. So a great exercise is to give somebody, you know, a goal where they're going and don't give them any of those three things and see how they work. Um, so, you know, gotta be a self-starter. You gotta be autonomous. And then this one's going to sound weird, but you gotta be coachable. Um, we need to learn from our mistakes and we need to be able to make mistakes but we also have to know when to be not so bullheaded that I can be coachable, coachable and understand that things uh, that operate a certain way um, that have been done before, I can learn from those. Um, we can innovate on top of our own failures. Um, we can innovate without failure, but we can certainly innovate on top of known failures. And so coaching and being coachable doesn't always mean I'm going to be told how to do something. It's being able to accept that things have been done before and maybe they failed. And so I'm going to be coached on why and how learn a little bit of history so that we can uh, learn from those mistakes and do it differently. So it's really interesting. You know, we would always think of certain people as, oh, they're the creative class, right? There was that term that was used for many years of the creative class, the folks that were uh, in the arts, or maybe they were those uh, entrepreneurs with the great ideas, but in a world where everyone really has to be um, creative and not everyone is in what we would think of as inherently creative, right? Um, how can others gain this skill if they really don't 
think of themselves as creative or innovative? And um, how can they can they bring more innovation and creativity to their daily lives? And, you know, what do you do to stimulate your creative juices? Yeah, those, uh, the first part of the question is difficult. Um, I'm certainly not an expert on that. I'll start with the second part though, as far as what I I do. Um, I'm big into music and I'm also into peace and quiet. I I will find when I'm working uh, and I I write just for background, you know, I'm writing code and I think writing code is absolutely an art, right? Everything that's going on with a, you know, a website, a web application, an app on your phone, someone created that and they needed to be creative in how that process got done. And so, um, it's interesting. Sometimes I will work uh, with different types of music on and that inspires me. That gets my creative juices. Sometimes I'll catch myself three hours into writing a new feature, putting down some code and I'll realize like I haven't had a single sound. It's that's usually after the kids go to bed and everybody's giving me some space, but you know, it's one in the morning and I kind of look around like, Oh, I haven't had, you know, anything uh, coming through the speakers on my computer in three hours. And so um, for me, Music, sound, and lack thereof is is what I do to get the creative side flowing. Um, I think uh, people is also something you have to engage with different types of people than what you're used to engaging with. And you have to learn how to have interesting conversations. Uh, you have to engage. And so um, the art of the small talk is important, right? Icebreakers, small talk, get to know people. But um you know, how, I mean, some of the best, you know, campfire conversations are the, the best conversations to have when you're actually, you know, asking deep philosophical questions that don't have an answer and just to learn, understand how people think about uh, heavier topics. I won't go down that rabbit hole here, but uh, heavier topics that really bend your mind and, uh, and make you look at the world differently. Um, I don't read a lot of business books. I don't. I, um, they put me to sleep. And so I, I always joke, I'm very literate. I just don't read a lot. Um, but I did just finish um, a book uh, from Simon Sinek called The Infinite Game. He was the He's well known for his Getting to Why TED Talk. I mean, most people know him from that. Uh, released a book last year called The Infinite Game, which to me is extremely relevant in the era of COVID because... Uh, we are living in this pandemic when we're making decisions about the next 30, 60, 90 days, maybe to the end of the year. We're all crossing our fingers that life resumes, at least at a business level, to somewhat of normalcy in 2021. And um, it might not, it might, but it's it's certainly challenging. And this book is timely because it's challenging us to think about what feels like t- finite time periods but it's also an opportunity to adjust our business, our decisions, our models, all that into something that's more interesting. Uh, It's a great opportunity. So I'm rambling a little bit here off of of your original question, but these are all, you know, things that, um, that I think inspire me and get me going again, music, dead silence, people engaging conversations, um, uh, reading books that will challenge or support the way you think just to, to kind of validate what you're working on. Um, I will say this for those that, you know, the original part of the question, how do people get creative? I don't think I have an answer for that. Everybody's got to figure that out on their own. But I will say you cannot, there's only so many hours in the day and, and you can't complain about lack of creativity or lack of time to get things done if you don't drop the things that don't matter. So, I mean, you got you to break down your day and really look like, where are you putting your time and energy into the things that don't matter? The mindless activities, like I'm down with unplugging and watching some terrible television just to, you know, get, get your mind free. But 
you got to know when to limit it, right? And so you, you can invest your time in the things that actually matter and have long-term tangible benefits. So there you go. I'll tell, I'll tell everybody how to live their life for just that little bit of the interview and I'll back off. That, that's a really great point, Ryan, because so much of innovation and creativity is not accepting the status quo. Mm-hmm. And so if we just keep doing what we're doing, um, you know, where is the innovation in all of that? Um, just because it's been done a certain way doesn't mean that it's right. And, you know, we we all have ideas and how things can be done differently, how things can be done better. And I think your example with COVID and how rapidly things are moving um, and nothing really is normal, mm-hmm. so to speak. So we're, we're dealing every day with changing what we thought was normal uh, in a better way, we hope. So what do you think prevents people from sharing their ideas? If they have them, what, what causes them to keep them inside and not put them out there? Yeah. Uh, fear in a word, right? Fear. They, uh, we are afraid of rejection. We're afraid of, uh, losing, uh, you know, whatever status we've built within the organization we work for. Um, and that, that, again, that fear can come from lots of different sources, but I mean, in a word, I had a, uh, computer engineering instructor at Iowa State, and uh, it was probably the, one of the greatest compliments I ever got. He looked at me and said, you have no fear. And I didn't know what he meant at the time, um, but I figured it out as I, uh, I became an accidental entrepreneur in 2001. You know, I was out of a job, but I knew how to build websites. So I, I did that. And I, that's how I you know, turned that into a business and made a living. And, and my entrepreneur career went from there. But as I went through all that, I realized he's right. Like I, I really wasn't afraid of, of, too many things on the business and the work front. And so that's, that's the biggest thing. Anybody out there that wants to be more innovative and, and this isn't just about entrepreneurship. This is also about entrepreneurship. It's about making big changes and making uh, proposed changes that things that would be the status quo. You have to drop the fear. Um, you always got to be smart, right? We, uh, you don't just charge blindly into the night. You have to be smart about where you're going, but if, if the fear is holding you back, it's really, really impossible to innovate. Um, and, and change that. So I suppose, you, you know, figuring out how to tie that into your first question of how can companies innovate and create new cultures, um, that might be the first check at the door is, is, are my people afraid? Are they afraid to bring forward new ideas? Are they afraid to speak up? And uh, if so, that's, that's probably the first step of changing your, your company culture. So thinking of fear a little bit, um, you know, not every idea is going to be a winner, no matter how great we think it is in in our minds. And so maybe some of that fear comes from the fact that we're afraid it's not going to be a winner, right? So what advice do you have for our listeners on recognizing when to let go of the idea and accept that it might be a miss, might be a failure, what have you learned from it, but when's the right time to kind of let go. Yeah, uh, this is hard. Um, we, you know, the uh, startups and new ideas sometimes start as a hobby, right? It's a side project. It's a side hustle. You learn something new and you start to, to perfect your craft, your skill at that. And so the metrics of a hobby are very different than a metric of a business. Um, but you still need to have those metrics. Um, you know, examples of metrics that you should be about, uh, creating and, and evaluating as you create value, let me, let me say it again so I can make sure the words are coming out right. 
when you, you've created something that has value and you're evaluating it, um, understand the metrics that matter. Is it money? Is it exposure? Is it engagement, connections, um, education, learning, maybe, you know, throw time in there. These are the things that, that can help you create generic value, right? All those things are just listed. And so figure out the thing that you've created. Um, and, you know, again, is it helping you advance further personally? You've taken this time. Are you gonna, is it a business and you're making money off of it? Is it freeing up more of your time? Um, figure out what the heck it is that you're creating value for and what those metrics are. And the, the day or the week or the month when that metric stops moving forward, that's probably a good signal that it's time to quit or it's time to change. Uh, we pivot is a, a well-known word in the startup world. And so um, continue to measure, continue to evaluate. Um, I think I'm going to give credit to this one to Mike Call. I think this is something he said to me at one point is, is no, no steps backward. Uh, lateral steps are fine. You know, you're always trying to inch forward. Some days you take big steps. Some days it's a little bit, sometimes it's left or right, uh, but nothing backwards. And um, there will be setbacks, but understanding how to recover from those and understand the difference between um, a declining metric that is just not worth investing in anymore versus uh, something that allows you to move forward is uh, the best advice I can give at this point. You said early on the listening, and I, um, when we talked about um, kind of the traits and and how do we become more creative so much of that is just kind of sitting back and listening and sometimes you hear something that just goes oh i've got it i have this idea on how to solve that that problem um being coachable all of those kinds of traits um so as we close out what would be your advice let's say for young people today that are just beginning their careers, if there's really one thing that you would advise them to really work on that could catapult them in their careers and cause them to be more innovative and creative, what would that be? Um, I'd play the long game. I mentioned that book earlier, The Infinite Game. Even prior to that, I've always been the long game player. I think that's good for the community. I think it's good for your career. It's good for your family. Do the things that help you and the people around you win over a long term. Uh, the startup culture gets a really bad rap for trying to, you know, I think the assumption is we create quick hits and we get rich and that's how the startup world works. And, and no, and first off, it's not how it works. It's, it's a lot of still, still long hours and long time, but taking a long-term mindset and um, uh, working towards the goals you set, knowing they'll change. Um, this is going to sound terrible to admit. I'm not big on setting goals because they're always fluid. They're always moving. You do need to be moving in a direction, but um, doing the things you do with a long-term, uh, long game in mind would be um, some closing advice. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. I am going to uh, go out and get Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. I Loved his Finding Your Why. And uh, so I look forward to picking up that book. And I hope all of our listeners will do the same. Thank you again. And uh, anything else you want to add before we close? No, thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the DSM Employment Ready Podcast produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. To listen to more tips, tools, and techniques from this series, please visit dsmpartnership.com.